it's just proof that you can never get low. You, you can never get low enough or small enough or have the perfect enough boobs or your face can never look quite right. Or it, you could keep going down that path forever until we start to really practice just accepting ourselves where we are in the moment. And that is easier said than done. Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Pintucci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious girl talk in between, this is the space for important conversations that women should be having with their best friends. So pour yourself a glass of whatever makes you feel good, sit back and join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Hi friends, guess what I'm excited about? I'm excited about the fact that it's now two weeks that I've shown up for you guys on time with a consistent schedule. We love a good consistent moment. <laughs> I'm so pumped for today's guest, Erin Trelor. She is the founder of Raw Beauty Talks, and we dive into some pretty amazing things. Uh, another episode today where we touch on past eating disorders and journeys, so leaving a bit of a trigger warning here. If it is not in alignment with you to consume this content at this time, just want to give you the opportunity to fast forward to another episode or another show that feels good to listen to right now, um, but we're going to be talking about our own journeys with eating, body image. We're going to be talking about some taboo things like Botox and injectables and unrealistic beauty standards and just kind of taking a stand for women and facilitating conversation and a lot of awesome things. So let me tell you a little bit about Raw Beauty Talks. It began in 2014 as an interview series featuring women without makeup, photo editing, or filters, and it had a simple goal of starting a conversation about beauty, confidence, and self-love. Today, the company offers tools to support self-love through health coaching, the Raw Beauty Talks podcast, and an online store. One of the things that I absolutely love about Raw Beauty Talks is their vision. They imagine a world where women are valued for their brains and their hearts over their appearance. They imagine redefining the word beautiful so that it can no longer be defined by terms such as weight, height, or skin color. They imagine a world full of women living their most authentic lives. They imagine a generation who are able to recognize their greatness no matter what they look like. They imagine their daughters finding confidence in their unique beauty so they can find a deep sense of happiness. They imagine a world where media celebrates a more diverse representation of beauty. Finally, they imagine a world with a lot more self-love and subsequently a lot more love for one another. So again, please welcome the founder of Raw Beauty Talks, Erin Traylor, today's guest on Unfiltered with Allie. Hey girl. Hi, I'm so glad we're finally doing this. I was thinking about that as my computer was restarting and I was in panic mode. I just had a few extra minutes before this recording to ponder. And how long ago did I feel like, okay, 
I feel like the first time I ever saw your name kind of pop up, did you send me like a plant to RYU? You bet I did. I sure yeah. did. I was working <laughs> at the time with my parents who have a couple of physiotherapy clinics in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And we did this campaign around like world international planet earth day or something like that so we did little replantable trees to some of the incredible men and women in vancouver and you were one of them and i brought it to ryu and yeah that was honestly that was probably about seven eight years ago maybe not I'm like, hold on. I'm just <laughs> just walked out. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, hold on. Maybe I had It was changed. a long time five ago. Five years ago. It was five years ago. Wow. Time is flying. Time is flying. And also, this has been the longest year ever of ever, But ever, also the ever. fastest. <laughs> like, we're about to hit the one-year mark almost since we went on lockdown. And I was like... Okay, interesting. What have I actually done? It's been 12 months. (laughs) I mean, you've done a lot as far as I can see. You have been hustling over there and making magic and having lots of conversations with really rad women. So don't forget to give yourself credit for all that. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. And I'm very excited to have you on because our missions are so in alignment. And I feel honored that you're taking the time to even chat with me today. Because when I think of this space and this message and all of this good juicy stuff, you're like an OG, you know, (laughs) I consider you I put you no pressure. I put you on a bit of a pedestal. But um, (laughs) I consider you an O an OG. And when I started this podcast, I realized like my word kind of last year also transitioning into this year was I need to play more. Mm. I realized that I no longer had passion projects in my life because my passions had turned to my business Yes, and I wasn't feeling that same spark, that same inspiration. And, you know, like most people, I had a lot of free time (laughs) in my calendar in 2020. And it was when my space around me and relationships around me shifted And also the time of where I was in my life with really understanding, like I'm in a very big internal transition that is actually so normal. And now I'm so lucky that I have the friends and the support and the very powerful women around me to guide me through that. It just kind of hit me like these are the conversations that should be normal, but they're not normal because A, not enough people talk about it. And B, not enough women have access to that. Mm-hmm. And I, when I say not have access, I just mean, I don't know. Like, how was I only 30 at the time really realizing that this was sisterhood? Right. This is what our girl talks were supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Like, what have we been doing our whole lives? <laughs> I know. I mean, What have we been doing? When I started... Raw, that is exactly what I was craving is those mm-hmm. like deep, heartfelt conversations where everyone just put down this facade of perfection that they were holding up and where we could talk about our insecurities and what was working and what wasn't working and the limiting beliefs that we had and how we felt about breast implants and our bodies and the pressure that we feel as women and all of these conversation pieces that I was personally struggling with. And, and Mm -hmm. so 
that really is the foundation of what started Raw Beauty Talks and and how it has continued is these beautiful conversations with women that are real and raw and honest. And I, I mean, it's just incredible to see how that has changed and evolved over the last 10 years and how many women are doing mm-hmm. it. But it really is, I mean, if anybody's heard the name Brene Brown, what she talks all about is that when we're in these spaces of vulnerability, whether it's with a therapist or your best friend or a parent, that that's really truly where connection is born. And at the end of the mm-hmm. day, that's what we're all here for. So it makes mm-hmm. sense that you, you know, started to have these like deeper thoughts and questions as so many people did during the last year when all of the busyness was stripped away. And the universe was yeah. like, sit the fuck down and you're just going to like, yeah, shut up, go anywhere. You've done. No traveling, no <laughs> friends, like just sit down everyone and see what bubbles up. And then, yeah, the questions started to come. This question started to rise. The discomfort started to arise. The patterns, the triggers, like it all rose to the surface for all of us mm-hmm. to start to kind of mud through. And what an incredible gift that was for us and continue. I've used the phrase disconnect to reconnect quite a bit Mm. in my life yes usually when I'm like oh what's a cheesy Instagram caption when I'm like (laughs) traveling and then I post it and this year was like let me tell you what disconnect to reconnect really means (laughs) right you're right you're right okay so okay we really jumped into it tell us a little bit about you and um, how you got to do what you're doing today because I'm sure some some ladies listening are hearing this story for the first time. Uh, well, I mean, my story started like so many women. Um, and I mean, obviously I have like many stories and many little lives and many journeys, but in regards to my journey with Raw Beauty Co., it began with a diet. It began with hating a very specific part of my body, going to dance classes, and I was long and lean and always have been like a beanpole. And then I went through puberty and overnight I got like some booty and I got some boobs and I was like, what? This doesn't look like a ballerina. And would, you know, flip through my magazines and just uh, had a bit of a perfectionist nature from the start. And so started to try to perfect. What if I could get my butt a little bit smaller? Because back in the day, everyone was going for no butt. The no butt look was in. Now everybody's like here for the butt. And I've since had two kids and my butt is gone now. But anyways, (laughs) never on trend. Never, never on trend am I. So I was like, I got to lose some of this butt. Like this is not hot is what I thought. And so started on this diet and, and again, diets are constantly evolving back in the day. Um, it was all about not having fat. Fat was like evil. So I started cutting out fat from as many things as I could just becoming really obsessive about not having that counting calories, weighing myself excessively. Um, and very quickly what went from a diet became this voice in my head that was constantly telling me not to eat, to reduce my calories, weighing the options between different things. And it very quickly became like a full-blown eating disorder. Landed me in the hospital for three months in between grade 11 and 12. I was 
very sick at that time. I mean, they said, you'll never be able to have kids at this point with the damage that you've done to your organs. Um, it was really scary. And to be honest, at that point, I was like, well, honestly, I don't really want kids. Like that's going to be, that's just like too much on my body. I don't even know if I want to go through that, which if you know me, I started collecting like Ann Getty's um, calendars of little babies when I was in grade sorry. three. The timing of that child scream. Just... Yeah, I'm sorry. They're so in the background. Work, hashtag working from home. Yeah. So spoiler alert, I had kids and um, <laughs> that all works. But I came out of the hospital and I was at a healthier weight. And that's what, you know, these programs do when you have an eating disorder is it's all about refeeding you safely so that your body doesn't shut down and so that you're um, a little bit more stable. But when I came out of the hospital, I was still like so immersed in diet culture and this image of what a woman should look like. And so the struggle continued. It looked a little bit different. It never got as severe as it was, but I was in this space of being really conscious about what I was eating during the day, still intermittently tracking things and doing the wild rose cleanse here and there. And then in the evenings, I would be hungry. And so I would start to eat and then this, I'd get into this mindset of, okay, well, I've screwed up today. I didn't eat perfectly. So let's just go for it. And then tomorrow I'm starting fresh. Like tomorrow I'm only eating X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to do the workout and, and basically punish myself for what I did today. And I lived in this cycle for years, truly for years. I hated my body. I felt so disconnected from it. I felt like, why am I the only one who can't stick to the diet? Why am I the, like, this is so incredibly embarrassing what I'm doing in the evenings, eating all this food secretly, like having to hide packages driving to different drive throughs so that the person wouldn't see me twice. It was awful. And yet nobody really knew what was going on behind the scenes because from the outside, my body was healthy enough and everything like looked and seemed reasonable, but I was just miserable on the inside and, and still really struggling. I felt like that was just how I was going to live my life. Like that I would just kind of keep being out of control and trying to control what I was eating and being out of control and trying to control what I was eating. And um, it wasn't until I started working with a life coach, actually, who helped me create a vision of how I wanted to show up in the world and, and where it was that I wanted to be, that things started to move in the right direction. And it was little mm -hmm. piece by piece by piece and layer by layer by layer as we all know, anyone who's healed from this type of thing, uh, it takes time. But that was really what inspired the start of Raw Beauty Talks was, are there other women who are going through this, who feel this way about their body, who are struggling in this mm -hmm. manner? Um, and, and why is no one talking about and it? And what if we started talking about it? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So cue okay. Raw Beauty Okay, Talks. let's rewind for a second. I want to like put a little bit of focus on that healing process. Mm. The the moment you said, okay, I'm ready. Like I'm acknowledging that I need help. I need some support to go through this. I feel like that is a very important conversation because 
a lot of times it's like, got a coach, I'm good. Yeah. But we don't often talk about <laughs> the fact that healing's not linear. Yeah. And it's not like healed in three weeks or like 21 day boot camp to like love your body. No, no. <laughs> and that is, I think, such a juicy conversation to be had. And I wish more of that was normalized because a lot of women that have likely gone through what you've gone through, what I've gone through, what majority of people go through mm -hmm. probably feel so much shame and a lot of failure around why can't I get this right? Why is this not working for me? Why does it seem like su such a simple choice? I, that's my problem. Why does it seem like it's such an easy choice to make yet I constantly don't pick the right choice? Mm. And it's that feeding, that subconscious feeding of comfort of I think I'm not worthy or I think I'm not good enough. So I'm going to continuously choose that because it reinforces that story yeah. that I that I tell myself. So what was your healing journey like? Was it quick? Did it kind of, did it click for you? Was it really bumpy? I what mean, was your experience like? It's like, which part of the healing journey do yeah. you want to start with? <laughs> it, it has been, it's, it, it is my lifetime work is the thing. I no longer look yeah. at it as I'm perfectly healed. I, I can say my relationship with food and my body feels incredible now. It feels I feel very much so like I'm on the same team with my body. However, I went through postpartum anxiety and have always had anxiety. And so there's still, while the food piece feels really good now, there's still an anxiety piece that I'm navigating and, um, and continuing to work with. So, I mean, the very first moment, if I'm being honest, of healing was more of like a bit of a do or die situation. And I, and that was going into the hospital. No part of me wanted to go into that hospital program. And they said to my parents, I was 17 at the time, this is going to be like, imagine the thing that you fear most, whether that's death or going into a snake pit or whatever it is. That is how afraid of food Erin is right now. So to get her in there, it's not going to be easy. She's not just going to like walk in the door and be like, oh, I'm exhausted with this. And it was like that. It actually took my dad breaking down and him being in tears, and I'm a bit of a daddy's girl, him being like, I need you to just do this for me, even if you go for two days, and and then you can come home. And that's how it started, was was me going for him, yeah. not even for She's myself. Getting emotional. <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm like crying. I'm like, don't start crying, because I will cry. I'm PMSing. It's very heightened. <laughs> um, so, I mean... The thing often is when we're struggling, we feel like there's just something wrong with us, right? Like, well, I just, mm -hmm. I'm just not doing it right, or I can try it a different way and I'll figure it out. And what we don't realize for a lot of us is we're operating, especially when it comes to this conversation around food in our body, we're operating in a system that is very broken. And so it's very hard to get out of it just on your own because your friends are talking about what diets they're on. And, and so it's very easy to become like, there's nothing wrong with me because this is just how we talk in our group. This is just how women are. But how women are right now is it's not their fault. It's not um, that they're consciously choosing to be in this space. It's a pattern and a system that we've been brought up in that we learn to survive in. And it's broken. It's really 
bringing our focus onto things like the calorie count of foods and the gene size that we're wearing, which is distracting us from our greater sense of purpose and from the stuff that we should truly be focused on, which are the things that bring us joy and connecting with others in bold, courageous ways and whatever lights our heart on fire. It's just, it's all distracting us. It's all keeping women smaller. And so it's very hard to get yourself out of that place because collectively we're all in it together at some level. Mm -hmm. So yeah, going into the hospital, I mean, doing coaching felt way less scary. I was kind of excited about it. I got to make a vision board and it just felt like less icky and a bit more um, empowering to me. There wasn't anything in my past that was super traumatizing. I was very lucky for that. And so it got to the point where I was like, "I'm, I'm tired of digging around in the past. I just want tools to help me move forward. Like, how do mm-hmm. I create a better relationship with food? Really, truly. How do I listen to my hunger and fullness cues? How do I know what foods I should or should not eat when every single expert out there is telling me something different and it changes every season? <laughs> and so started to really dive into that. And that that was a process of the life coach and a dietitian and, and, and reading a million books and having a million conversations with women and then starting to piece everything together into my own practice as a health coach. I mean, the journey continues. That's amazing. The journey continues. Yeah. I, I do love what you said where it's, it's a lifetime commitment. Yeah, there's no finish line like, here. Yeah. There's no finish line here. And it is it, it does become easier, though. You become more comfortable in the uncomfortable right? You become more familiar with the process of self-exploration, with your own patterns, with understanding what triggers you. And so as you do the deep work as well, you're more likely to become more connected to the individuals around you, more connected to your purpose. And all of that feels really good, really good. So it mm-hmm. keeps you in the work, keeps you, keeps you going, you know? How did Raw Beauty Talks take off? Such a Was it like a... I just feel like one day, like I had always heard your name, but then one day it was like, bam. Isn't that always the way it seems? Isn't that... It's like... But I do... Yeah. The singer comes out of the woodworks and they've got like 10 million (laughs) followers and you're like, oh my God, overnight success. No, I I would... No, she's been working her whole life. (laughs) I'm like, this This started when I was 15 years old. I'm 35 now. There has mm-hmm. never been a, an, an overnight, um, there's never been one thing in this journey where all of a sudden it felt like, oh, we've made it or people are, people are more aware or this is the big thing. Mm-hmm. Never, not once, not one single time. It has literally been putting one foot in front of the other and putting one puzzle piece into the puzzle one at a time over and over and over again. When I was working with my parents and doing this as a side hustle while I was um, hosting that one dinner while I made no money and only spent my own money on it for years and years and years and years. And it really, I mean... 
you look back and you can thread together some some pieces. Um, one thing that has always been really helpful, and we know this with any brand, is when you have people who have large followings that talk about your work or that share it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, there's, I'd say the one piece that felt that has given us a boost, if I'm really thinking about it, has been my friendship with Caitlin Bristow, who was on The Bachelor. And I've known her since we both worked at Earl's together. And she's really passionate about this conversation too. And so we've had moments Mm -hmm. where we've collaborated or she shared things. And that always gives us a boost in regards to the following and the follower count. But we're talking about maybe 500, 1,000 new followers, which is a lot which is a lot. I was going to say in this day and age, it's, it's exactly, it is a lot, lot. but it's still, I mean, we really have just grown slowly piece by piece. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been one thing that kind of like I've done, I've hired PR that didn't work. I've done campaigns that like (laughs) I've done. I mean, I've done so many things, Allie, that have quote unquote failed it's not even funny. The number of times that I have been in my car, sobbing, calling my husband, being like, you would tell me if I'm a total fucking idiot, right? Like you wouldn't let me continue doing this work if I'm just the dumbest human alive. And like, like this is never coming together. It's not going to work. Just, you know, the, the highs and lows, they're real in this kind of work. It's still- I'm laughing because it's exactly me. <laughs> right? The car cry. (laughs) Everyone's like, yeah, the car cry is really what sent me. Everyone's like, oh my God, you're so this, 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 this. And I'm like, let me tell you something, guys. It is my job to curate Instagram feeds for brands. Right. (laughs) Okay. It is my job. Like my brand statement literally says, I help build brands, take photos and change the way people and businesses show up online. Right. Yes. I am good at doing that. <laughs> You're really good Behind at it. The, I'm very good at it. Behind the scenes is not curated. Right. It is a hot, hot mess. And signature moves do include crying in the car, uh-huh. crying in the bath, yes. crying in the shower. Yes. <laughs> crying oh. in bed. Honestly. And I'm like, the Kim K meme. Like that is it. me. I know it. Yes, I know it. I mean, <laughs> I and I think that as well, like I would never give up those moments because it is yeah. in those moments where you're like on the floor in tears that you really start to build up your strength. I think one of the things mm-hmm. that with a lot of the girls that I work with that they are struggling with is finding confidence and finding yeah. self-esteem and they're like I want to do this, but I I just I don't know if I could, or I, I don't know, you know, what if I fail? And really, I mean, we can sit around and wait all our whole life to feel confident. I've never, I've very rarely felt fully confident in myself or my idea um, before doing it. It's often just, I've, 
I mean, I've really become, again, comfortable in the discomfort. It's like, you got to walk through that. You got to launch it anyways. You got to put it out imperfectly. You've got to do that first video and you're going to suck at it and and you're not going to feel confident in it, but it's Mm -hmm. being, it's doing the thing. First of all, it's doing the thing. And the second thing is it's failing at the thing and getting your butt back into the ring that builds confidence. That's where confidence and self-esteem is earned. We can't just sit on the end of our bed hoping that one day we're going to wake up and feel more confident in ourselves. Unfortunately, again, we live in a system that's a bit broken where a lot of us inherently don't feel that we're worthy or enough and we question ourselves constantly. But truly where a lot of the confidence that I have now in myself in my body, in my relationship with food was about trying things and trying it again and failing and sucking and trying it again and getting up and getting up and getting up and proving to myself that I could be resilient. And, and it's been earned. It's been earned. That's so important. I, I don't want it to turn into this cliche question of like, oh, like three tips on how to, you know, tell us three tips on how we can get more confident. But Again, it goes back to those share the sharing of those stories and the in between moments. You know, I get comments all the time from people. I envy your confidence. Right. And I'm like, thank God I'm behind a screen because <laughs> <laughs> if they knew me in real life, like ask any of the people around me, my close core friends. That is probably the least amount of comfort I have or like I don't have confidence Mm. and it tears me down in multiple different ways I don't have confidence that I like I don't I'm not confident in my body whatsoever if you were to ask me to do it on a sliding scale of one to ten I'd give you a three Mm. and the lack of confidence in that is almost debilitating like it's consuming like the journey that I'm in right now with that is Allie surrender to where you are right now Mm. and understand that it's okay and I've had to be very mindful of why is this so triggering for me yeah is it because I haven't been able to get a grasp on external hormone um, issues that I've been having that have led to this is it because I can't manage my stress Mm. and that causes imbalances in my body is it because I'm consuming content that constantly tells me that I'm not good enough and I have to look a certain way or else I'm not worthy? Is it because I participate in conversation with other women where I sit at the table listening, feeling bad about myself because I can't relate to those conversations? And I'm confident that if you're listening, you can probably check a lot of those boxes too. And that's why these conversations are so important to me personally when I use the word surrender, because it's really hard to actually say where I'm at right now is okay. It is really, really challenging, especially when we are scrolling social media feeds where, I mean, our body could always be more perfect. Our body could always look different. There will always be somebody who has a body that, I mean, quote unquote, looks better than our own body. And by nature, we compare ourselves. We do. I am curious to know, I mean, the first thing that I thought when you were listing all of those 
you know, reasons why you could potentially feel disconnected from your body, which one resonates the most to you? What do you think has most greatly impacted your relationship with your body? Um, I actually just haven't felt at home in my body in a really long time. Yeah. So it's a very big disconnect, which causes panic. Right. So, and when you panic, what do you do when you move into that fight or flight stress response? Let's introduce eating disorders. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My very good friends, binge eating. Yeah. Stress eating. Yeah. Or if I'm, I look back to when I thought I was my healthiest, you know, if I could go back to when I was like the fittest in my life, I think I remember that was back in the RYU days. I was working with the trainer and not a professional athlete. <laughs> don't don't need to be measuring body fat, but here right. I am thinking I'm, you know, like measuring my body fat. Oh, I'm 17% body fat as a female working a nine to five and that's not good enough. Right. So I feel the need to manage the lettuce that I'm putting in my taco salad. Right. Like then you move into like orthorexia yeah. and you start to realize when you can actually sit down and be honest with myself, your relationship with food has never been good. And now that I'm doing inner child work, shadow work, stemming back to childhood, yeah, stemming back to parents, yeah. stemming like it's just so deep rooted. So yeah, the feeling of going back to your question, the feeling of disconnect and lack of control yes. fuels that control of like, it might not be the feeling I want, but I know I can control the bad. Yes. I mean, the bad, but like (laughs) the bad feelings are, are, how do I pronounce, how do I not pronounce this? How do I say this? Mm -hmm. You know, when the shame you feel around eating or binging or whatever it is, even though you know that feels horrible, you will do that because that's more comfortable than the, the, the discomfort of change. And the, the uncomfortable feeling of things like panic and stress and overwhelm yeah. and emptiness and loneliness. I mean, okay, there are so many things that I could say here. And first of all, I really want you to know that you're not alone. And especially with everything that's been going on this year, there are so many women who are now like living at home, close to their kitchen, feeling all of these really challenging, uh, difficult emotions and have fallen into this pattern of, using food to help them cope with that because food is pleasurable and it gives us like a great hormone hit and it's enjoyable and it's easy to access. It's a lot easier to have like chocolate or chips or extra carbs um, that really boost our mood than to sit in the shit of all those feelings that we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And so we have Mm -hmm. the food and then because we live in this society that we live in, we feel so guilty and shameful for it. And so we tell ourselves, not tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to measure the lettuce that I put in my fucking sandwich because that's the solution to all my problems. (laughs) And so we, we move into the space of what we call restricting or rigid eating. And that's where we start to put the rules and regulations in place. What's interesting though, is that 90, so we would consider that a diet, first of all, even Mm -hmm. if it lasts for four hours, 98% of diets fail because our body is biologically, physiologically designed to help us not starve and to survive. So as soon as we even mentally put ourselves into a box where we're restricting or dieting, 
there's going to be a mechanism in our body that is going to have us thinking more about food, thinking about that thing we told ourselves that we can't have, um, like being distracted from our work or our relationships because now our body's in survival mode and it wants the food. So many people think I just have to control myself from eating the food. I've got to just stop binging or stop overeating or stop having the carbs or whatever it is that you decide that you're going to stop having. But what we really have to stop doing, and this is hard to wrap your head around, is we have to stop the restricting because the restricting is what's causing your body to move into the space of overeating. Now, if you are somebody who's binged or like overeaten, that's really scary because it feels like I'll just lose control. And you probably will. Mm -hmm. You'll probably eat all the stuff in your house at first. And then if you don't move into the space of restricting, your body will start to move out of survival mode. It'll understand, oh, we're not going to go into that old pattern that we were in before. She's actually going to give me food. She's going to fuel me. I don't have to be in this starvation famine mode. And mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm amongst a number of other things that we would look at, um, it you can really start to tune back into those innate hunger and fullness levels that you have. You can start to figure out what foods does my body actually like? Um, so even right now for anybody who's listening, I would really encourage you to make what I call a high energy and a low energy food list. And so thinking about for the high energy list, what are the foods that you enjoy eating that make you feel good, that give you energy, um, on my high energy food list, I have things like uh, green avocado salad, green juices, smoothies. And then I also have things like veggie burgers with a bun, uh, Miss Vicky's chips, um, chocolate ice cream, because those things, as long as I'm not binging on them, I feel fine afterwards. And I really love mm -hmm. and really enjoy eating them. Now, on my low energy list, I have things like five cent candies, which immediately give me these cystic acne breakouts. It's like my body's like, no, Erin, thank you, but no. Um, I have I have very few things on that list. Um, more than one coffee a day and uh, da, 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 alcohol. And then what else? kale, chickpeas, and onions. Kale, chickpeas, and onions, a lot of people would say would be like extremely healthy foods but they don't work with my body. They give me insane bloating cramps and gas. And so that's not something I'm going to incorporate into my diet that much. Now, instead mm -hmm. of listening to Joe Blow or whatever her name is on Instagram, who doesn't know you from a hole in the wall, you're actually referring back to and getting back on the same team as your body, your unique body. The only one that is there with you from the moment you were born to the moment you die. And so there's a lot of tools and tricks that we can use to help us get back on the same team as our body where we're working with our body. And that's when you'll start to get, you know, more comfortable in your body and, and you can trust yourself around food. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I think it's wild. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. I think it's amazing that we can access information and inspiration at the tip of our fingers. Yes. I think it's wild how quickly you can access information from people who are not qualified. Like some of these people, actually, I think I saw a nutritionist post about this the other day. Followers does not equal like authority no. or something along those lines. Yeah. 
and it's really damaging to a lot of people. And I, it's crazy because my phone must hear me listening for a lot of these podcasts because I'm served a lot of diet content. Yes. But it's just not okay. No. But it's also... To the point where I was getting... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it. it's also no matter how much you are consciously aware of and understand these things and know that you've tried a million diets and they never work and you always end up like, for most people, they actually end up gaining weight um, at some point, right? Uh, even if you know all of that, it's so deeply rooted within us that our beauty and our body matter and that they are our utmost value. And so even for me, when that stuff pops up and I've been doing this work for 10 plus years, like it's still tempting. I'm still impacted by that, like Kylie Jenner photo in the red bikini. I'm like, where's her vagina at? Like, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but I've seen that photo and I'm also wondering where the vagina is. Right. And it's like, <laughs> like so obviously photoshopped and and edited and you know that, but it's still like, whoa, it it triggers something like deeply within me. And um so we're not immune to these things. But the more we know I was the on the Peloton this morning. Yes. Being guilty that I was on the Peloton because I was like, oh, cardio. I shouldn't do this too much because cardio um, makes my cortisol go crazy and it's actually like bad that I'm doing this. I'm like, bitch, you're on the bike. Just shut up. Yes. Okay? Just shut up. Honestly. Close your eyes. Honestly. Turn the music up. Like, what's your alternative? You sit on the couch. Congratulations, you got on the bike today. But it is wild once you start to at least commit to the work. And when I say commit to the work, just being more aware. Yeah of the thoughts and the patterns that come up. Because when I talk about surrender or acceptance, awareness is a very big part of that. Yes. Because like, why is this coming up for me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I love it. I love how deep you go with all of these different pieces and how much work you're doing on yourself to uncover some of these thoughts and patterns and beliefs that are making life feel a little bit more sticky or challenging. Well, it just got to the point where I was just constantly unhappy and it was showing up and it affects everything in your life. It does. If you're, if I'm not showing up for myself, ultimately, and again, it's, it's easier said than done. Healing's not linear. It's, it's a lifetime. It's, it's your lifetime work. But ultimately, I was just starting to feel very angry, a lot of resentment. Everything was everyone else's fault or my hormones fault or this fault or that fault, but I needed to be able to say, like, how am I going to choose to step up for me today and not feel, not fall into that pressure that we feel as a society for, like, instant gratification? Yes. Because that is what's really hard. I still Google how to lose 30 pounds in three days. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'll admit that. Honestly, probably one of the most on the journey. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, you still see it on, on the magazine at Whole Foods and you're like, did, what what smoothie did she have to lose 14 pounds in 10 days? And what's still at the grocery store, I'll go get the ingredients. Like, what is it? Like, I, I, I can acknowledge that it's, it's super messed up that that's still out there, but we do still live that pressure from things needing to be quick, I think deters people and it, it causes a lot of shame around the journey. It does. 
And what's interesting as well is that in this short conversation that we've had, you mentioned that when you are at your fittest, when you were working out with a trainer and measuring your body fat, you still weren't happy. Like you were still obsessing mm-hmm. about food. So you know, even when your body it's gets not about the number. smaller, it's not about the number. This is a mindset piece for you to work at when at whatever stage you're at. And there mm-hmm. is no, I felt the exact same way. I, I, I hit that number that I had in my mind as to how much I wanted to weigh and it still it wasn't enough. And it just kept going and going and going. I mean, yeah, I, I won't share the number because it is can be so triggering to somebody who's struggling with disordered eating. Um, but it's just proof that you can never get low. You, you can never get low enough or small enough or have the perfect enough boobs or your face can never look quite right. Or it, you could keep going down that path forever until we start to really practice just accepting ourselves where we are mm-hmm. in the moment. And that is easier said than done, but oh my goodness, mm-hmm. it is, it is worth it. It is worth it. Speaking of that, you recently threw up a post on your Instagram that talked about Botox. Yes. How did that go down? Well, I am 36, um, just 36. And I had Botox for the first time when I was 26, I believe. And same. Oh, really? Twins. Yes. Everyone started to say (laughs) you need to have it preventatively. And I've only Mm -hmm. done it, I think four times total since then. I did it before my wedding. I did it when I was 26. I did it um, at one point. Oh my God, this is a funny story. So I had my son and at one point, you know, several months in, I looked at myself in the mirror and was like, holy shit, you look so tired. And like, I just was having a low moment. I feel like when I get tired, that's when those voices of insecurity start to really pop up. So I book myself in for this appointment. I go, I'm feeling guilty because I'm like, here I am, Miss Raw Beauty Co. getting Botox. I don't feel like I can tell my audience because I'll let them down. But also I'm, I tell them everything. (laughs) I literally tell them everything. So I felt so conflicted about it and so much guilt and shame around it. And then this doctor comes around the corner. I've got, he's stunning. He's like, I don't know who this guy is. He pulls me into Hold the- Hold on, what clinic was it? I mean, I'm very loyal to my guy, but is he single? Or is he just- <laughs> I, I think he was gay. Um, pretty okay. sure. So probably not your perfect match. But he was like, you know, a plastic surgeon creation, concoction. This is when I get nervous. Anyways, I go into the room and I'm, I just want a little bit of Botox between my eyes. This is my spot, this 11 right here where I get like, where I focus or zoom into it. And he's like, okay, he's, um, and then my son starts to cry and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I think he needs food. And he's like, oh, are you breastfeeding right now? And I'm like still breastfeeding. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm like, we can't do Botox while you're breastfeeding. And I was like, oh my God, of course we can't. Like I'm the worst. What am I thinking right now? I was just dying of embarrassment. I'm like, this hot doctor now thinks that I am the worst. But it's preventative. Mom ever that I would put my child at risk to deal with my 11 in my forehead. And so I sheepishly left and I didn't, I didn't get it again for years. I mean, I don't have, I don't have any right now. Um, And 
so anyways, this whole feeling of shame and secrecy around it and does she have it and does she not have it? I was like, this is the perfect conversation piece, you know, for anybody. Um, so I brought in somebody who I've gone to in the past and I brought in another girl who feel was messaging me about feeling so much pressure to get it and, and wanting it, wanting it, but feeling deeply conflicted about the message it would be giving mm -hmm. her kids and other women. And so we just had a really honest conversation. And I asked the doctor, I mean, she has two daughters herself who are young, a lot of questions like, how will you talk about this with your kids? What's the line between feeling empowered to do whatever we want with our body and taking, you know, whatever steps and measurements that we want as an empowered woman to do what we want with our body? Um, what's the line between that and then also further perpetuating this constant uh, ideal that we have to live up to? to not age, to be forever young, to look like we're 20 years old. Uh, and so we just, we really dug into all of that. And there was no, there's no, there's no right answer is what it comes down to. There is no, this is not a black and white conversation. And really, I think at the end of it, what I came to was that every woman has the right to do what she feels is right for herself. And that women at the end of the day, must step into supporting one another and living from a space of non-judgment towards one another. Now, that being said, I do think there's work to be done in the beauty industry to create more space for women to age, which is why we're going to start doing some photo shoots with women over 50 who haven't had Botox, not because we're against it. I mean, God, like I've had it myself, but because I want to see women who don't have it who are inspiring and see their beauty and appreciate their beauty in the same way that we've seen and be, and started to appreciate different sizes and bodies and curves and, and different shapes. I'd love, like, I want to be a fucking 60 year old cover girl. That would be a dream come true because for most of us, it's like when you're 30, you're done. You are, you're finished. Like you're, there's not oh, a lot shit. of space for you in this world. So I'm like, fuck that noise. Let's, uh, let's keep this, keep this going and keep doing our thing and, um, go from there. Yeah. Injectables are a really interesting dynamic in my group of friends. Cause I have, I guess I get kind of have different groups of friends where yeah. it's like totally fine with one. And then I have friends in my circle who are like openly post about like anti-injections and how, like, it's tough because it's like, how do you not take it personally when you get it? Yes. But also, it's like, you know, if someone's super passionate about, like, fillers and Botox stem from the patriarchy and someone else's definition of beauty and when you get that stuff, you just fall victim to that and you're allowing, like, you can't just accept yourself for who you are. And then it's maybe triggering to me because I feel like I'm in that place where I'm like, well, I do have self-confidence issues. So maybe it's right. But then also, why can't I get that if that's what I want to fucking look like? Yeah. I mean... So it's that hard wavering line for me where I actually have a difficult time to be like, I agree with both sides. And maybe it's triggering because I've altered my face. I have fillers. Yeah. I haven't had Botox in about six months. I get it about twice a year and I mainly get it for my jaw. Yeah. 
but I've altered the shape of my face. Yeah. And I've been open about that, but I find it very triggering to be called out on it. Of course you do. And um, like, who are you to tell me I can't do that? Fuck you. Yeah. And then in the back <laughs> of your mind, you're like, oh my God, is there something wrong with me? Like, am I awful uh-huh. for doing it? And blah, blah, blah. I know. Yeah. yeah. So it's layered. And of course you do. And that's where I'm like, it's those individuals are valid in feeling the way that they feel. And they are feeling pressured to also try and live up to this. And their way of pushing back and resisting against that is to push back and resist against the women who are doing it. But as you said, if they are of the mindset that you're almost a victim of the patriarchy or a victim of these messages, with most victims, we should be treating them with compassion and love and acceptance for where they're at in their journey and recognizing like, yeah, they're, you're impacted. I'm impacted by these messages that we receive. They, mm-hmm. they, they hit deep. And so rather than, you know, pointing the gun at one another as women, can we have compassion? Can we hold space for everyone? And at the end of the day, if you decide to put some filler in your cheeks or in your lips or some Botox or get your boobs done, who cares? Like who cares? Listen, I had this conversation with my mom. My mom was like, what are you doing? And I was like, listen, Franny, (laughs) had you, had you have given, had, had you had given me cheekbones, we wouldn't be be in this situation. You didn't (laughs) give me cheekbones. I had to go get them myself. (laughs) And you know what? It's you live one life. But what I think is really cool about you is that you're talking about this. You're openly saying like, I got filler. I do this. I changed the shape of my face. So there's not this uh, unrealistic ideal of exactly how you came to look the way that you look, if that makes sense right? Because 10 years ago, people would, even celebrities and stuff would go get plastic surgery. Nobody talked about it. It was like, that's just the way that she looks. Whereas now people are much more transparent, which is their prerogative. They don't have to be, but it is kind of nice and refreshing. I think when people are. I think for me, it's like, where's the line? It's like, you're yelling at me for like changing my cheekbones, but you still dye your hair blonde. Like, why don't you just keep your grays? I don't know. Like, where do we draw the line? Uh, yeah. Like, what is it? Yeah. Anyways, I feel like that's a whole other topic. I don't know. Um, But I think it's an important conversation to have because it's interesting to try and fall into this place of self-acceptance, but deep down inside feel like some of the things I'm doing would support that I don't accept myself, but also I feel so damn good. Yeah. It's so weird. It's a really weird conversation, but I wish it wasn't so taboo and I wish people were just more, maybe that's why I'm so open about it because when people be like, oh my God, what concealer are you using? I'm like, no, I just filled my bags. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's a bit more expensive than uh, than Tarte Shape Tape, but that's what it is. Like at least if, I guess maybe where I fall is at least if you're going to do it, just tell people so that way people know like, Things are attainable. Yes. Yes. That sounds really weird, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) No, I know what you're saying though. It's like you, but, and it just, there's so many factors that come into this. It's just, it's, yeah, it's a huge, huge, huge conversation. And we're just really skimming the surface. There are so many um, socioeconomic pieces here of 
affordability for these practices um, and and the safety and danger of them. Um, I mean, many of them now are just so accessible and and they are relatively safe. Um, mm-hmm. But it is it does all fall on a spectrum. And at the end of the day, who's to say what's right or wrong? What I'm really interested in beyond whether you have injectables or not is how do you feel in your body every day? What is your mindset like Mm -hmm. around yourself? Are you constantly feeling like you need to be better? And are you constantly obsessing over your body and your face and the bags and the wrinkles and the, are you wearing the right lip shade and stuff? And if that's Mm -hmm. not feeling good, if that's not feeling Mm -hmm. good for you, or it's feeling like it's distracting, then we got to go deeper. Then we got to go deeper. And that's what I where I really like, you know, do, yeah. to do the work. I love having these conversations. And then it's like, okay, let's get down to business because you yeah. can get all the injectables that you want. You can get your body down to whatever size that you want, but truly none of those things will bring internal peace and calm and happiness and a sense of self. It just won't. Mm-hmm. It just won't. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh my gosh, Aaron! thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I know, like you said, we've just skimmed the surface, but I know your page, this is their mission. And I know what you're up to. That's your mission. And you always have a conversation happening that women can engage in and feel supported in and, and, you know, at least feel held and feel safe. And I really admire you for creating the community that you've created. Mm, Um, Thank you But why don't you tell us, of course, why don't you tell us a little bit what you're up to and how everyone can find you and if there's capacity to work with you, all that good stuff. Everything um, Raw Beauty Co. can be found at rawbeauty.co or over on Instagram at rawbeautytalks. I am loving working with women, either one-on-one or I have a group coaching program, which is 12 weeks, and it's all about how to create a healthy relationship with food and your body, where you land at your happy weight, where you get back on the same team with your body, where you build that rock star mentality and mindset that allows you to find freedom from a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about. So you can get on to the bigger, better things that you were made for. Um, So you can find all the details for that over at rawbeauty.co. It's called the Raw Beauty Reset. We've got meditations and recipes and movement plants, all the things. Um, so yeah, people can come find me there. I love that. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you, Allie. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Allie. Just a friendly reminder that I have new episodes that drop every single week, including some bonus content called Honey Check, co-hosted with my best friend, Jenna Garrow, where we catch up for some classic girl talk. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to the show. And of course, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only do I love hearing what you guys think of the episodes, but it helps support the show so much. Lastly, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at at unfiltered with Allie. You'll be able to access a ton of extra content from each of the episodes, slide into my DMs, and you can find the link for my free online Facebook community. This is designed for inspiring badass women all around the world. I can't wait to chat with you next week. Bye.